Hey, good morning, Life Church. Thank you so much for joining with us as we continue our series, The Ferocious Fight for Satisfaction. We hope this message finds you safe, finds you well. Uh, by now, hopefully, you've all received and read the email from the elder team regarding reopening. We've got lots of things going on in our world today. Um, or, or rather, not reopening, but re- re-engaging gatherings again. Uh, this is an ever-changing, ongoing process that we are praying through at every level. We're having constant discussions. We're listening to the guidance of the government, health officials at every level, and we're working diligently to synthesize what this next season will look like for us. I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for your patience and for the prayers that are being offered as we are all experiencing this worldwide pandemic for the first time. If you're anything like me, you just want this to go away. Is anybody with me? Just just go away and, and let me get on with my life. Here's the thing. We are committed to helping all of us step into this new season well. We want to go from hunker and bunker to out and about. But the speed and the ways and the means with which we move, speaking of Life Church now, it, it may not be like others. It may not be like other organizations or other faith communities. It may not even be what you or even I would personally like and ascribe to. There is a lot of gray here. Please, just as we encourage you in every other area of life and circumstance, push away from black and white thinking. Push away from one right way and many wrong ways of doing. Work to pull in the thoughtful, the prayerful, the considerate, and the courageous way of trying to engage the whole, embracing the greater and allowing for differing opinions. All of that being said, we love you so much. We really do. We miss gathering together and we're working on turning corners in healthy and sustainable ways. So as soon as we have more information and more practical steps, uh, we will give it to you. All right, let's turn uh, to our scripture, our hallmark passage that we've been reading for the last uh, few weeks, and we're going to read for the rest of uh, the month of May, Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 20. The Apostle Paul writes, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you, Philippians yourselves, know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. That's a huge shout out to the Philippian church. Verse 16, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity, even in the midst of our quarantine circumstance and different world that we find ourselves in, that we can gather. We thank you that your presence, uh, though we have to continue to remain six feet distant from one another, we thank you that you are present with us. 
right here and right now. We ask that as we give you these moments that you would mold us, shape us, make us more into your image. Lord, we do continue to pray for our world. We pray for our first responders. We pray for our president and the government, all those who are tasked with making decisions and um, helping us to take steps forward. We ask for wisdom. We ask for safety. Um, and Father, we, we welcome the days where we can gather again in person. Uh, but right now, we choose to be grateful for what we do have in your presence and in the, in the ability to gather like this. We love you so much. And again, take these moments, mold us, shape us, make us more into your image. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. The, the, the three words this entire passage turns on are right in the beginning of our reading. I'll read it again. I've read it for weeks, but we'll read it again. Repetition's the heart of learning. Verse 11, Paul says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. This whole passage turns on the words of need, learned, or learning, and content. The original language is hysteresis, mantano, and autocarsis. Hysteresis is that first word, need. It's really the space in us that wants, that, that cries out and reaches for more. This is not because we are selfish individuals. It's installed hardware. We all have space inside of us that cries out, that reaches, and that wants. That space is here to stay. Montano is the process available to us by God's declaration that we can learn, that we can change by doing different. I want to remind all of us that as Paul speaks to us, he's speaking to us as Jesus does from the rabbinical tradition. The rabbinical tradition is absolutely about informing and educating, but largely through the activity of our lives. Mantano is not just to learn like you're looking at a piece of paper or hearing someone speak or preach, but learning by doing, by actually entering into changed choices and actions in our lives. The reality is that us in our now, we, we learn very differently than the rabbinical tradition. We sit and someone tells us, someone speaks to us, they talk at us. Uh, tell me something different, teach me, give me new information through a packet, let me sign up for a seminar so I can acquire knowledge. In the rabbinical tradition, and, and what Jesus walks in and what Paul is speaking to, it's not so much, hey, sit and listen to me as much as it's, hey, follow me. Do what I do. Go and do something different right now. Go, do it. <laughs> I think oftentimes, honestly, if I'm being totally transparent, how awkward it is in our day and age, in our culture, that someone can go and get a master's degree, whether it's in education or business or fill in the blank. You can get a master's in a certain discipline having never done that discipline. That would have never taken place within the rabbinical tradition because information and learning was not bent on acquiring knowledge that can be written about, but a life to be lived. And listen to me, I have no problem. And I'm a huge uh, uh, just benefactor of education and I encourage everyone to get education. But let us be careful to not just fill up our minds, but let us make sure that there is a life flow in our activity of living. 
That's Mantano. Auto Carces is the maturation point offered us. That's the contentment. That's the satisfaction at the end. Uh, translated shallowly in the Bible, it is a satisfaction or contentment, but it actually means to defend oneself at the deepest level. Tracking with the God-given progression in the scriptures, hesteresis is the starting point for all of us. And after a Montano learning, we can defend who we are from ourselves and from those outside forces that beckon us to follow. Simply put, we can be satisfied. And we can be satisfied, church, regardless of what's going on around us. Come on, this is good news in a pandemic circumstance. This is good news in a normal life circumstance. That whether you're, as Paul describes it, you're in a low place or whether you're abounding or any and every, these words he throws around, whether you're in plenty or, or whether you're in hunger, whether you have abundance or you are in need. Paul tells us through the unction of God's Holy Spirit that you can be satisfied. I can be satisfied. We as a people can be satisfied. Satisfaction is not found in getting what we want or even in what we need. That's not where it is. As we look in those areas and down those avenues, we will always, listen to me, we will always come back empty-handed. It's not that we haven't found it just yet. It's that satisfaction just isn't there. Like fun when you're house training a puppy. Are you with me? Or, or happiness as a Browns fan. Those things just don't exist. Satisfaction, according to the scriptures, has nothing to do with anything being acquired from out there but rather how we defend and protect what is in here, in our souls. The first week of this series, we spoke about how want isn't going anywhere. I think too often we feel like satisfaction means we need to silence the wants. We need to understand the difference between wanting and needing. Want isn't going anywhere, church. We have to learn to handle it appropriately. The second week, we talked about how the fight starts with yourself discussion around the influence of our thoughts. Last week, Pastor Tanya discussed how important it is to know you're not alone. This morning, continuing this conversation around the ferocious fight for satisfaction, I want to expand on Tanya's launching of last week and ask the question, who is fighting with you? Now, it matters how we say that phrase. And if you're taking notes, that's the title of our conversation, who is fighting with you? You could say it like that. Who is fighting with you? I'm not talking about against. I'm talking about who is fighting with you. Just like every other part of you and your life, satisfaction was never meant to be done alone. Church, who is fighting with you? Now, I am not here to tell you what shows or movies you should or could watch, what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. We all have a spectrum of, of, of okay in that realm. But my wife and I, don't judge us, we watch The Office. Most nights, actually, we go to sleep and we fall asleep to it because it's just something familiar and it's just on in the background. There's this scene in one of the episodes, the episode's called Turf Wars, and uh, the office is bent around a failing paper company, Dunder Mifflin, and one other branch has closed, and they're trying to figure out who gets their clients. 
And this new character walks in from a place that's trying, they're all vying for the same clients. And this new character walks in and says, hey, those are my clients, stay out of my region. And they all start arguing because ultimately they all wanna get the sales. They all want the new clients. And this one gentleman, Harry, the new client says, hey, look at us, we're arguing, bickering with each other, looking around the room for things to hit each other with. And Jim, another salesman says, well, I don't think we're doing that. Dwight, (laughs) another salesman says, chair, lamp, plant, table leg, Jim's leg. As if he is absolutely thinking about attacking and fighting with that guy the whole time they're talking. (laughs) I'm not constantly looking for implements to bludgeon people, but I am looking constantly for people with whom I can entrust my fight, even and especially if the defense needs to be waged against myself. Going back to the beginning of this chapter, Paul says a lot of things, but he also mentions a lot of people as he squares up this passage, which I I think is incredibly instructive. He mentions Syntyche and Euodia, Uh, the Philippians, the Macedonians, those in Thessalonica, and Epaphroditus. The presence of each of these people gives us guidance in who we should have fighting with us in this ferocious fight for satisfaction. I'm going to give you three frames I found in these verses, and then we're going to unpack them a little bit. First, we all need people with whom we can be in agreement. Second, We all need people with whom we share our assignment. And finally, we all need people who give us encouragement. So first, let's unpack agreement. Agreement comes to us really through the discussion point of Syntyche and Euodia. Uh, He says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. You got to have agreement. This and Tyke and Euodia are two women, but they're having some kind of thing. I don't know how far this thing has gone. I don't know if they've come to blows. I don't know if they've had to take heels off and start whatever. I I don't know how far this has gone, but they're having a thing. So much so that Paul feels the need as he writes this letter to the church not to put them on blast. And as an aside, can we all stop saying things that just throws it out there? It's not about putting people on blast, but he's giving them support. And it is involved. The coming to fruition of this thing, agreement, is not a simple endeavor. Listen, church, agreement doesn't just happen. You won't just find agreement lying on the floor next to your life. I know you and I, we've all heard verses four and seven, four through seven and verses eight and nine preached often, but we rarely talk about the impetus. Why are these incredibly charged and energizing and deeply truthful verses being written? They're making sure that Syntyche and Euodia get along. I mean, listen, Paul starts, I entreat, Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Get along, ladies. Verse three, yes, I ask you also, speaking to the church, you true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, here are the familiar passages of scripture that we apply to so many areas of our lives, which I believe we have license to do but it's critical to understand they're talking about forging agreement between Syntyche and Euodia. Listen, 
Verse four, he's still speaking to the church on how they can help. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things, which you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I mean, if you're anything like me, you start to work up this just, I can... I can do this. I have a conquering spirit. I can overcome. When you read those verses, familiar passages of scripture that many of us have painted on walls or somewhere written down because they're just, they're so engaging. They're so intriguing. They're so igniting. But understand today, they are not given to us randomly. They are given to Syntyche and Euodia and those around them to help them find agreement. Here's the thing. To find others to fight with you who are in agreement will take work. It will take time. It will involve conversations. It might even mean you changing, if I may. Agreement does not mean you see eye to eye on everything. What it does mean is that you give permission for that person or those people who you are in agreement with to look you in the eye and say anything without causing separation. You have agreed to let them in. We see this throughout the scriptures. Uh, Just in a few places in Exodus chapter 18, we see Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, come to Moses, the greatest liberator the world has ever seen. And his father-in-law come to him and correct him, adjust him. I mean, if I were Moses, I'd be like, what have you done lately, Jethro? Get out of my face. But Jethro sows incredible wisdom into Moses' life. In 2 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 12, Nathan, the prophet, confronts David the king. Understand, you don't confront the king with something that he has done unless you have a death wish. But Nathan was in agreement with David and confronted him. We see this as well with Paul himself as he confronts Peter in Galatians chapter 2. I know it's been a critical place in my life to have people with whom I'm in agreement. First and foremost, I am in agreement with Tanya. My wife and I have been married for almost 17 years. It'll be 17 years this summer. We do not see eye to eye on very many things, but she has the license to look in my eyes and say whatever she wants. And I have the same license to do the same with her. I have so many friends, Pastor Justin, Jasper, uh, people that I'm trying to live life with that at any moment in any frame of life, they have the opportunity to call me, to text me, to look me in the eye and say something. Church, we all need people with whom we are in agreement. The second one, assignment. This comes to us as Paul writes about these Philippians, these Macedonians, these Thessalonians. These are places, but these are people where and to whom Paul was pouring out his life and who also were pouring into him. Those who are fighting with you need to be able to commit to support you in your assignment. 
what it is that you're doing, what the, the field that you're plowing, the, the sphere of influence that you have. Hear me, these people don't need to be invested in the assignment. They don't need to have the passion that you have for that passion. <laughs> they don't need to be driven with that same drive. They just need to support you in your assignment. Here's a kicker. In order for someone to support you in your assignment, you need to have an assignment. I know, that's like rocket science level wisdom there. But people often come to me looking, looking for friendship. They wanna make connection. They want people around them in their lives and they wanna be in the lives of others. They're looking for people to do life with, but they're not doing anything with their life. I don't mean to hurt anyone's feelings, but you're not here in the room with me. So whatever eye contact you feel people making with you, uh, you can firmly attribute to conviction of God's Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been looking for people to fight with you, meaning friendships, depth of relationships, people to do life with. All the time, you may be missing them by lacking the assignment you weren't doing. It's hard for people to fight with you if you're not fighting for anything. We all need assignment. And thirdly, encouragement. Encouragement. Epaphroditus brought the gift that others had prepared. He says in verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, fragrant offering, sacrifice, acceptable, pleasing to God. This is an easy one to preach because everybody wants to be encouraged. <laughs> everybody wants somebody else to speak well of them. We all want, need, and crave encouragement. But it's so critical, apparently, that Paul details this gift. He's talking about lots of things, but he specifically names this gift as it's given. Listen, your need for encouragement is not being needy. It's being human. Sidebar, if I may, you probably need to figure out what encourages you. What fills your bucket? And then once you figure that out, communicate that to those with whom are in agreement in your life and who are sharing in your assignment. Those who are fighting the ferocious fight of faith. Maybe they don't know what encourages you. I remember in the early days of my marriage, I just assumed in the five love language world, I was physical touch. But I came to find out I'm not. I'm quality words, uh, words of affection, words of affirmation. I don't even know what it's called, but quality time and words of affirmation were what really filled up my tank, what filled up my bucket. People can do good things, nice things. People get gifts. I'm grateful, but it doesn't ring true in my soul. Tell me that you love me. Tell me that I'm doing a good job. Tell me that I can do a better job and help me see how I can. That so ministers to my soul. That might not be what does it for you. That might irritate you. That's the point. We aren't mind readers. Figure out what makes you feel good. Figure out what fills up your bucket and then tell people who are in this ferocious fight with you so they can fill you up, so that they can encourage you. There's this incredible truth in verse 13 that in other versions, the scripture reads, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the ESV, which is what we read, and in many translations, it says simply this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
We often read and quote that verse with Christ being the one who strengthens us. But in this passage, church, Paul isn't speaking to Christ in particular. He's speaking to the giving and the exchanging and the serving and the assigning and the supporting of people around him. I would submit to you that there's a huge revelation that we can all do things, do all things when people are encouraging us, when they're strengthening us. We are all constantly fighting with someone and everyone. I mean, going toe to toe, figuring things out, opposing, even in a global pandemic, a global pandemic that forces us all on the same side. Newsflash, we are all against the pandemic. <laughs> it's us and it. And yet even still, we somehow sneak out. We find ways to somehow sneak out of the one side that we should all be on to snipe at one another. But who is fighting with you? Who are you fighting with? for satisfaction in your life. There's a passage of scripture that I think is, I don't know if it's going to be helpful. (laughs) It just came to me as I was praying for you, church. In Exodus chapter 14, it's the crossing of the Red Sea. Moses has been able to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt, and they're at the precipice of moving on into the next phase Of their journey, but they come face to face with a very real problem. It says in chapter 14 of Exodus, verse 1, and listen, I do, I find so much truth in the scriptures and the historical accuracy and the places and the geography, but at the same time, it's not just in that. I believe the scriptures also offer offer a pattern for us to follow. And in Exodus 14, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back. And so they're on their journey, and they are about to cross or find a way beyond the Red Sea. And the voice of the Lord says, And camp in front of Pihahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. In front of Baal-Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. Just historical, historical truth and geography here. The nation of Israel is running from a pursuing enemy. And they come to this moment where the Red Sea is in front of them. To the left and to the right, there's a literal rock and a hard place. Migdal and Pihahiroth in front of Baal-Zephon. These are, one is a tower and one's a mountain. And they, they are very much, in no uncertain terms, trapped. And behind them is the army that is pursuing them. In verse 14 of this chapter, Moses said to the people, verse 13, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation, the healing, the retrieval of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. The Lord will fight for you and you will only have to be silent. I just want to offer the opportunity that if you're here today, if you're hearing these words and you feel alone, and you're asking yourself the question, oh man, who is fighting with me? Nobody. Nobody's fighting with me. And how am I supposed to get people to fight with me now when we're not supposed to be around each other? And there's a pandemic. And yeah, we can Zoom and we can FaceTime, but that just doesn't feel like it's going to cut it for me right now, Christoph. What do I do? I want you to know 
that the Lord has declared he will fight for you every single moment of every single day. And so if you're here this morning, you're hearing this message, I want to offer the opportunity for you to accept that God fights for you, that he is on your side. Sometimes, yes, that will even require he fight against you, but it's always for you. If you're here and you'd like to begin that relationship with Jesus, you'd like to grab hold of that revelation of a God who is not working you over or trying to use you or just fighting against you all the time, but rather that he fights for you all the time with his entire being, I'd love to give the opportunity for you to receive Christ into your life. Open up your heart, open up your soul to his voice as he says, hey, I'll fight for you. All you have to do is be quiet. All you have to do is stay with me. Let me be with you. And the only thing you have to pray is, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. We would love the opportunity to pray with you in that. And if you find yourself in that space, uh, just pray with me. Jesus, I give you my life. Church, God is for us. God is for you. And if you're here today and you've prayed that prayer and you know there's a shifting in your soul, you know that this is something new, something different, and you want to continue to grab hold of everything that God has for you, we'd love for you to reach out to us. You can email us at info at life churchvirginia.com. You go on the website, you can find ways and means to connect with us. But if you prayed that prayer and you like to grow in your faith or you need some connection, uh, some new connection in this different season we find ourselves in, please email us info at lifechurchvirginia.com or go to the website www.lifechurchvirginia.com and connect with us. We love you so much. We are on your side. But even before, even before we meet or are able to gather in a room again, church, the Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. Let me leave you all with a benediction. May we work to manufacture agreement, forge our assignments, and receive encouragement from those who are fighting with us in this ferocious fight for satisfaction. May we first, foremost, and finally always know that God stands firm in these areas for us and with us. And may we remember that with Jesus, it only gets better. Hey, we love you all so much. We look forward to turning corners with you. Be safe, stay healthy, and we're praying for you.